Hi there, Neil here. Obviously, you love to travel. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Circa, our app available right now from the App Store on iOS, is filled with podcasts and guides for travelers. But more than that, it has a feature that we're calling the Circa Concierge, where you can have any question about any place you're traveling answered by real people on the ground. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And hey, if you've got questions about Barcelona, you might even get me. Because I love to help people discover my city. And if you're the same way for the city where you live, then we want you to become part of the Circa Concierge too. Right now, we're searching for concierges in Barcelona, Rome, London, Paris, Madrid, Venice, and New York City. Don't see your city listed? That's okay. We'll be rolling out new cities throughout the year, and yours might just be next. If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys. So Andres and I took our first trip together out of the country in 2019, before the COVID pandemic. So this takes place in the before times when life felt a little bit more normal. So that's why this episode, these, these two episodes, are incredibly important to us. Much love to all of the friends we made in Jerusalem. Hope you're all safe. This one's for you, and for you, and you, and you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Look at the title of this file. Oh, dear. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Aisha Andre's Surprise. For those listening, Aisha's my girlfriend. She's my girlfriend now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did wonder while I was away what was going on when she was like, yeah, I'm meeting up with everybody that works on Passport. <laughs> mm, that sounds suspicious. A destination isn't always a place. Sometimes it's a new way of seeing things. I'm Neil Innes. And I'm Andres Bartos. From Frequency Machine, this is Passport. Your ticket to everywhere. How is, how is Andres with surprises? He hates them. He hates them. I've never thrown him a surprise party in his life. My co-host Andres is away in Sao Paulo. So in the meantime, I met with our friend, Aisha Prigan, and Passport's Billy Craig in tune. Aisha is tall, elegant, beautiful. She looks like a silent era movie star. She talks laid back, she's patient, but very sharp. I mean, how do you know he hates them? By his reaction at my mere suggestion of a possible surprise party about, like, a decade ago. 
and you see, he got no- this darkness in his eyes. So I was like, <laughs> okay, we won't be doing that then. She's also my co-host's long-suffering girlfriend. She knows him better than anyone, so it's possible I'm about to make a giant mistake because I have a surprise for Andres. This week, Passport is doing something a little bit special. Me and Andres will be taking our very first trip together, somewhere both of us have never been, and Andres has no idea. So as if he didn't have enough on his plate, I teased him with text messages and voicemails. Sorry, dude. Why are you always torturing me with this news that I can't know? God damn it. And, 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 yeah. You tell me the news whenever you want. Yeah. It's been pretty uh, <laughs> relentless. Well, welcome back, man. Um, listen, mm. we've never been anywhere out of Spain together. No. So, mm. we're going to go to Israel. Holy sh- shit. Can I curse? I forget if I can curse or not. <laughs> You can curse. Wow, why Israel? We're going to fly to Tel Aviv. Okay. We're going to drive to Jerusalem. Okay. Are we going to do fake kidnappings or something like that? Because I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I will murder you. (laughs) I wouldn't have done that to you. I knew. Aisha told me before about the the darkness in the eye surprise times. Jerusalem is one of the oldest cities on earth. Some people believe its roots go back to about 3,500 years before Christ. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Part of it is also the capital of Palestine. The city straddles the country and the state. It's a place defined by heavy topics and an immense and unavoidable history. A centuries-old mix of politics, religion, and conflict have affected every aspect of how the city has evolved. It's the cornerstone of three of the world's major religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And the people that practice those religions all claim the city as their own. It's a city defined by separation and difference. But what about the people who embrace the difference? The people who seek it out? What about the people who are different? In this week's episode, we head to this remarkable complex place a place that everyone has defined by their own personal stake in it. But today we're going to find out what it's like to live in Jerusalem if you're trying to change everyone's definition. We're going to start at the insane Machen Yehuda Market. Luckily, it's known as the Shuk. Inside the Shuk, there is an unassuming, unpretentious, quiet bar tucked away. A place to forget your troubles in the middle of one of the most sense-overloading hubs of the city. That's where our story starts. But first, while I was sneaking around behind Andres's back and trying to plan our surprise trip, I spoke to Dave Bianchi. Dave is a great friend and a music producer. He's also a Jerusalem superfan. He's been traveling there for more than 10 years. Israelis are fucking weird, man. Like, I fucking love them, but, like, they're, 
They're really like, who the fuck are you? Why the fuck? Are you? Like they're they're like New Yorkers times ten, man. Like they're 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 they don't say please, they don't say thank you. They're very rude, but like if they've allowed you to do whatever the fuck it is that you're doing, then don't worry. And like it means you're gonna get all the shit that you want to get. You know? Dave put us in touch with someone very special in Jerusalem. His name is Shannon Street. He's a big deal over there. Like, he's the best tour guide you could possibly have. But Shannon isn't a tour guide. He's a superstar. He's like the fucking Bob Dylan of Israel, man. Like, he's he literally, like, everybody you meet, they're like, oh, do you know that, like, Shannon, he, like, he's the first one to take, like, Hebrew and use it in a way that nobody ever used it before, and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, no, you walk down the street with him, and it's like everybody's constantly stopping. Like, he's, he's a character. There. And Dave isn't bullshitting. Shannon Street is the frontman and songwriter of Hadag Nahash, an incredibly important band in Israel, the biggest hip-hop band in the country. They've released eight studio albums over the past 20 years, a huge and diverse back catalogue. I instantly became a fan. How could you not dig this? This song is about the perils of racism and the corruption of money. It's political, soulful, and a little bit cheeky. I can't carry this weight around, is the main line in the chorus. Shannon is laid back, he's smart, he's funny, he's soulful. We talked on the phone for an hour, and he immediately fit with the sound of his band in my head. That tiny bar that changed the market and the neighborhood? Shannon owns it with his business partner, Ellie. And, well, he invited us over for a beer. So we went. Wow. It's very exciting. There is, like, one of my kind of weaknesses are Israeli women. So I'm just, you know... That might be a problem, but it's not like I throw myself. It's more like I become speechless. It, yeah, they're going to laugh a lot, basically. That's what's going to happen. We landed in Tel Aviv. We had an hour drive to Jerusalem. And with all these expectations about what the city was, expectations based on everything you see in the news, and we could tell almost immediately that we'd gotten a whole lot of things wrong. Just months before our trip, various terrorist organizations had fired more than 600 rockets into Israel. Oddly, we both felt rather calm. The sun was rising over fields and fields of cotton and green. One of those huge, huge orange suns that you thought only existed in sci-fi films. Was this the Middle East? Wow. Wow. <laughs> so we just arrived in Israel. We arrived at 5 a.m. This crazy landscape of freeways, mist and layers of mountains. Not what I was picturing at all. And yeah, super green. Yeah, pine trees. Cotton fields. Yeah, 
cotton fields. Yeah. It's beautiful. Very pretty. Jerusalem is surprisingly small. It's only about 1.1 million people in only 50 square miles. But 4 million tourists visit per year. That's an average of around 10,000 per day. The skyline is low. Old, beautiful sandstone buildings and brand new ones press against each other. Construction cranes poke up into the sky. It feels both old-style Middle Eastern and modern spreading out in all directions from the old walled city. We parked our tiny comedy car in the Mechenyoda neighborhood in the west, a predominantly Orthodox Jewish area, and we had an apartment right opposite the Shuk, the market, on Jaffa Street, a front row seat to all the craziness it might offer. So obviously the first thing we did was go to the market. The Shuk is the heart of West Jerusalem. It's been there since the late 1800s. It is insane. A crisscrossing grid of nearly 300 stalls, both outside and covered, stacked with fruit, vegetables, spices, fish, meat, cheeses, nuts, yelling people, impatient older people. We hang outside in the open air part for a little bit, and then... Should we go into the crazy? Let's go into the crazy, okay. It's like one of the most crowded places I've ever been in my life. Nobody cares. Everybody's just like, move, move out of my way, move. It smells, every two steps is a different smell. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not so good. Everywhere you turn, if you can... There are taste-testing trays of baklava, Indian sweets and spices and halva and kebab. The place is an incredible, heaving, beautiful mess of color and sound. In the space of 30 minutes on our walk through the Shuk, we saw Muslims, Jews, Christians, people dressed as dinosaurs, drunk students, workers, millionaires, mountain bikers, Swedish hippies, stag and bachelorette parties, angry couples in golf carts, Jewish Orthodox families, nine strong with seven children one year apart, Americans, English, Spanish, Australians, beggars, sinners, thieves, cops, and soldiers. So many soldiers. Piles of dates and cardamom and um, halva, that like sesame peanut paste thing with pistachios and chocolate. And then little like craft brew places smattered in between. Pizza next to a place where you can get falafel and shakshuka, which is Neil's favorite dish. (laughs) The market was amazing. Within 30 minutes, we were spinning out. We sat outside on Jaffa Street. And it's true that you see right in the market, like already on the side street, for example, you start hearing Arabic. Not to say that this is, we're not saying that this is peace in the Middle East. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously you have a different picture in your mind about how people are living together. Looking down one of the busiest streets in the city, bustling and noisy and filled with life. It's hard to imagine this place at the turn of the millennium. In September of 2000, after a riot between Palestinian demonstrators and Israeli police, tensions and violence escalated. 
The next five years is referred to as the Al-Aqsa Intifada. Intifada is an Arabic word which means uprising or tremor. Between 2000 and 2005 alone, there were 144 separate suicide bombings. Many of these were in Jerusalem, and many of those were in and around the Shuk. During this intifada and the ensuing trouble, it is estimated that more than 4,000 people lost their lives. In retrospect, sitting there at the market, it's weird that we didn't even think about it. Everything felt so safe. We were here to find Shannon Street's bar, the Casino de Paris. It's one of the places that kick-started a new kind of insanity in the market. But also a place which tried to shed trouble and politics. And just be with no strings attached. If that's even possible in Jerusalem. At 2pm, after seven hours of walking the city, our brains full, we crashed. A quick power nap before we started on the beers. Then, as soon as we wake, it's up to Shannon's bar to get the feel for the nightlife of the Shook. We've just woken up and we're going to go see if we can actually find... Casino de Paris, the bar of our friend, and... This is a kind of important detail that we, in this this whole morning, we've been trying to find this bar, which is the center point of this story, and we're unable to find this bar, which is troubling. According to my Google Maps, it is 65 meters away from where we're sitting right now. Then we're, again, <laughs> we're bound to find it. 65 meters. In 2011, this tiny bar helped kickstart the new transformation of the market and an entire neighborhood. And we found it, eventually, tucked away in a courtyard in the northeast corner of the Shook. It's a pretty area with a lot of outdoor seating, garden, and a multinational crowd. Red and blue light mixes with bare features and white walls. The cocktail menu is extensive and inventive with drinks named after Israeli politicians and people. They serve pizzas, pickles, and smoked fish plates. It's charming and quiet for where it is. We grabbed a Palestinian draft beer and soaked up the atmosphere. A little oasis in the corner of the chaos. Shannon was out of town with his band but he had a friend put us on the guest list for a concert in an old building in the parking lot of the market. He's put us on the, on the guest list for Allianz House party tonight. Where's that? I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. We're really doing this? We're doing it. Oh, God. That's what we're here for. Come on. We'll sleep later. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> when in Jerusalem. <laughs> oh, my God. Music is everywhere on the streets of West Jerusalem. Harps, beatboxers, cover bands, drummers, guitar players. The busking scene is pretty crazy. With well-organized spots and hours, some bars in the downtown area have live music seven nights a week. It's 11 p.m. In the Shuk, the music is pumping. 
the place has changed. It has turned from a market into a weird, packed, eclectic, crisscrossing dance hall. Every 15 steps, the music changes. House, hip-hop, soul music, rockabilly. It's so crazy and so intense and so crowded that we head out into the parking lot and coincidentally find where we're going. One day in Jerusalem and we were already on a guest list. Standing in a courtyard in the center of a beautifully run-down building called Allianz House, a 200-year-old former French school which has now been taken over by groups of artists and musicians. In a few years, we were told, it'll be gone, turned into a boutique hotel. It feels like we were lucky to be introduced to it. It sort of looks like a cross between a co-working space and an underground Berlin nightclub. There we were, on no sleep, watching one of the most insane klezmer bands I've ever seen. A swirling, repetitive, traditional Eastern European sound. To make things crazier, we had arrived in Jerusalem during Sukkot, a week-long Jewish celebration of God's protection during difficult times. The place was filled with 200 or more rather tipsy and very sweaty but very well-dressed revelers, spinning and spinning and spinning in circles. And me and Andres, two nerds with their backpacks on. After the show, in the basement room, things got a little weirder. The traditional gave way to the crazy, the odd, and the underground such as life in Jerusalem. This is El Cat. They are insanely good. They play Yemeni folk songs, reimagined as psychedelic dance numbers. A four-piece band with members from Yemen, Morocco, Iraq, and Poland. A melting pot. Traditional but out there, psychedelic, messy, and handmade. Literally, they make their own instruments. <laughs> Shannon's friend had unknowingly, perhaps, put us on a guest list for a band who encapsulates an open, inclusive, shape-shifting DIY spirit that we would come to realize defines the cultural scene here. Around 2 a.m., destroyed, but happy, and a little drunk. We headed home and slept, but the market partied on across the street. I don't think I've ever had a deeper sleep in my life. After the break, the best kebab in Jerusalem, a run-in with some troublemakers, and a brand new map of the city. See you in a bit. Hi everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, 
never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circuittravel.com to sign up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our first day had been a loud, upside-down carnival ride. We needed some conversation and some local friends to help us get a grip on real life here. And also, some local food. Yo, man, let's go! Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Driving in Israel. Oh. We're heading over to Shannon's house to try this, the city's best kebab. Platter of the three best butchers in the city. Because apparently they had a little bit of beef. No pun intended. That was totally intended. On on which was the best. So Shannon is going to cook for us. God, it's there's not a car on it's the road. Amazing, man. Oh, there is still speed bumps though. Oh shit! I was supposed to take that road. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, parking. Thank fucking lord. Oh yeah. Congratulations. Okay. Okay. Right. We have arrived at your meaty destination. <laughs> Nicely done. We needed we needed a tag. Ah, <laughs> oh, we needed a tag. Shannon meets us at the gate to his house. It's modest. It's nice. Patios and tables. The big garden. We'd only ever talked over the phone, so we met for the first time, as everyone should, over a barbecue. Shannon Street has a presence. He's instantly fun, yet relaxed. Scruffy beard growth and a trademark soul patch. He's happy, animated, always smiling. He has a great laugh, and he knows how to use it. He gives us the lowdown on the disagreement with his friend, Ariel Schnapiri. That has led us to this kebab off. I called uh, Ariel Schnapiri a few days ago. I said, listen, we have to finally decide which is the best kebab. And we decided to bring about half kilo from each of our favorite butchers, and today it's going to be decided. But it's going to be, I'm not going to say it on air, because I have to stay on good terms with all of the, <laughs> all of the butchers, you know, it's important. Kebab in Israel is a staple. It's poured over and argued about daily. The way New Yorkers talk about pizza. Ground beef and lamb, usually, cooked over flame, with pita and hummus. Mm. Wow. Wow. How hungry are you? <laughs> the cooking begins, and it seems like it won't ever end. Snapiri arrives with some other friends. 
Shanann's wife, Bali, thinks this is a terrible Except for idea. choosing the best kebab is so stupid. Like, how no can you do that? that? <laughs> yes, it is. Because Which is are you calling us stupid? I was going to say, that's precisely what we're doing today. I think it's stupid. <laughs> it's glorious. The kebab experience. Gloriously stupid. That's me. I like that we said it in chorus. Like a Greek chorus. Everybody is right. Yeah, it doesn't have the... No, Lothain. It's kind of greasy. And this guy, this guy, I think, was voted the best kebab in the world. This is the Newsweek mother. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's better. Yeah. Better than better. the best one, right? I think Neil is having a small mouth orgasm. It's <laughs> small. <laughs> there are no small orgasms on your small mouth. <laughs> the conversation starts and never stops. Kids play football in the yard, and we eat and talk into the early morning. A little bit of family life in Jerusalem. You get the impression that they entertain a lot. But inside, Bali tells us about how she and Shayanan lived for 18 years in the market. Through the bombings, the Antifada, and the changes. So we were there in the bombings. We used to hear like like crazy things in the middle of the night and, and you know, bottles hitting the road and people screaming and people... Uh, and we, our neighbor was a drug addict. It was, a, it was like the whole neighborhood was like a lot of drug addicts. It was a whole street of prostitutes. It was like very, like very, very poor. And then I don't know how it happened. Everyone, there are a few people who claim that they did it. That it's like there, there's this like the community center. That they made it successful. Yeah, I guess, I guess. And then I met Chanan and he lived in the market. Maybe that's what I liked about him. <laughs> and then we didn't move for 17 years. We stayed in the same house. But you've seen the market change. Yeah, drastically. Drastically, from like the poorest, most dirty place in the world to this like posh place where tourists with with you know like Madonna neck mics kind of things, and they're like, there was one group in front of our house with this like mic thing, and the woman's like, and this is where Shannon Street lives. I'm like, oh fuck you guys. And then this we moved like to the lived before he got arrested for murdering you, <laughs> of the three we tested, Shanan didn't want to say, but we thought a butcher called Ramsey took the top prize. We set a time in the morning to meet Shanan and get the story of his bar. We needed to know if it really did kickstart the new market. Out of the depths and into this bustling nightlife destination. But not tonight. Tonight we're too full of meat. We said goodbye and headed back to the car. And then, crazy. Okay. <laughs> so, Neo, what you say? <laughs> just got, we just got chased by dogs to the car. <laughs> we got circled by three dogs. They were nipping at Neo's ankles. I saw my sock. Like, oh, my sock. <laughs> one by one. Hey, these Gentiles smell like meat. <laughs> Get them, boys. Get them, boys. They got kebab in them. <laughs> <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Because <laughs> I can see you stiffen up. 
cut it out for you, man. <laughs> Jerusalem, this conflict's never too far away. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> um, oh my god, our night didn't didn't quite end oh, there. Right. <laughs> we, got, we parked and walked Jaffa Street, and uh, we ended up getting roped into a circle of of dancing Orthodox Jews. And I don't even know how it happened, but we're like like a whirlpool. We were suddenly yeah. in there, just pulled in, moving very quickly in a carousel. Yeah, just kind of catching the faces of all these people. There was a like a very I felt like way too young child for this yeah. situation. Who looked like he just wanted to die. He was not happy. He wanted about to go home. Happy. And I was like, "What are you guys celebrating? Like is it is it Sukkot?" He's like, "No, we are celebrating life every day. Every day we celebrate life. More celebrating than needed for the situation." <laughs> And for much longer by the look on the kids' faces. Two very important things on the trip happened that morning. So yeah, in the morning I dropped my phone in my own shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was day three. I was very tired. Yeah, I just dropped this phone in the toilet. Yeah, I, I was reading the news, I think, and it just slipped straight between my legs. Just in there. It was really funny that the first thing that we bought from the market was a bag of Persian rice. Yeah, it was a very good rice selection. And there, there was a discussion about what's the best rice to dry out an iPhone. I think you made me Google it before we went. And it worked. It did. I still have the phone. <laughs> it still works. In the morning, we met Shanan at the Sira Cafe in West Jerusalem. Great coffee and shakshuka, a dish of tomato and red pepper sauce with cumin and paprika and cayenne, and eggs poached on top. The company also owns the pub across the street. Both are worth checking out if you're in town, by the way. They are staples of West Jerusalem. It's on Ben Sira Street. Shanan is wearing shades and a baseball cap, but every once in a while, a fan sees through them and stops to say hello. He's obviously having fun in life. He's never anything but happy and friendly, even with his fans. So we asked him about fun and Jerusalem. Is it harder to have fun in a place which is so inherently serious? I've always had fun here, but it's not considered one of Jerusalem's top... Uh, Exports. <laughs> yeah. This is where you come to get religious. It doesn't matter what faith you come from. But in my opinion, all throughout history, there have been super religious people but there always has to have been people that said, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> Let's go get pissed. <laughs> Spoken like a true barman. So where does the market sit then, historically? Then? The market is the heart of West Jerusalem and center West Jerusalem. I think it's been around since... I think like the late 1800s, maybe the early 1900s. But everybody knew the market, the market, the market. It was also like a, an old school, but very cool style of shopping. You know, you see all the food, you see all the fruits, you see all the vegetables, and you pack them in with your hand. And you're like even like the stall owners, they can yell at you if you're taking too much time and all kinds of stuff like that that was considered cool. Then it was considered totally uncool with unsafe 
afterwards, and that's where we are now in the evolution of time, it was considered so cool that it should have a nightlife too. Because the nightlife phenomenon in the market, in the Machanei Yehuda market, is relatively new. I mean, it's about 10 years old. Exactly when Shanan opened the Casino de Paris, his bar. Our bar was the first one in that area of the market, and now, I mean, you guys walk down, every other store is a bar. It's gotten to a point that the original stall owners, they're like, yeah, this isn't the market anymore. To me, it made perfect sense, though. Like, if this place is so busy during the day, why can't it be busy at night? Because there was nothing at night. Nothing legal, anyway. <laughs> Shanan doesn't see himself as special for being one of the first. He's just kind of always been that guy. I have a part in it, but I also think, like, if it wasn't me, it'd be someone. Same with rap in Hebrew. Same with gentrification of a neighborhood, you know? Like, always, uh, somehow, I'm always the guy, you know the term, lying on the fence? Do you have that in English? Yeah, like, at the fo- at the forefront, for so everybody can climb over them? Yeah, you're the guy, like, lying on the barbed wire, and then people climb over your face, and they go get through. <laughs> You're the guy who looks at that barbed wire, it's like, we can get to the other side. No, look, it's right here. I'll do it. (laughs) This is weird, because it's like tooting my own horn. But but when I went to live in the neighborhood, there weren't very many many young people uh, living in the neighborhood. Like the artist types or whatever. I didn't know I was an artist type, but like the artist types. And when I started rapping in Hebrew, there wasn't very much rap in Hebrew. And uh, it's the same with uh, opening that bar over there, because look what happened now. Though. In a sense, like Snapiri, my friend, he says it's my fault. That there's <laughs> that the madness in the, in the market, it's my fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> You're an instigator, right? <laughs> like he means it in a bad way. It's like, you ruined, <laughs> it's, it, it got out of hand and it's all your fault. <laughs> so the market has gone through some tough times. And Shannon and Bali went through some tough times living there. Was it on, on edge to go there? Like, was it a dangerous place? Not yet. It was, wasn't yet the place to be. But what I found there was an enormous apartment, very fucking run down. I mean, to a point where when it would rain, it would rain in the dining room. through the, And we had pots all over the dining room floor, and it would be like a symphony. Beep, boop, 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 beep, 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 boop, boop. <laughs> The room in the back, my roommate shared it with pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> These are my flatmates, chirpy, clucky. Um, one time, the extreme right was hanging up illegal posters in the neighborhood, like uh, death to the Arabs or some shit like that. My roommate and I uh, started peeling these posters. <laughs> they were hanging and we were peeling and they saw us. Extremists tend to like fraction. So an- another member of the extreme psychotic right came and he was actually pissed at the guy hanging the posters. <laughs> and he took out a muchaco, nunchuck, <laughs> and he started threatening that other guy. And then me and my roommate, we realized maybe we should get the fuck out of there. And we did. <laughs> Shannon tells stories with a smile and always finds a laugh, a punchline. Always. No matter how dark they get. When you're living in a place with a history like Jerusalem's, remembering dark times with humor seems like the only way to handle the day-to-day. Being a barman and a night owl made Shannon who he is. 
It feels like his personality is tied to the nightlife of the city. Always joking, always looking for fun. It's easy to see why the Casino de Paris is so important to him. After being in the neighborhood for so long, he wanted to leave his mark. A mark of fun, with nothing else attached. In Jerusalem, whenever you turn a stone, there's, you find somebody, something with some sort of religious or archaeological significance that's bound to insult somebody <laughs> who has a different opinion about the matter because <laughs> he thinks that it's his ancestor. <laughs> but you never find anything that's like just pure fun. And I figured, uh, finally, I have a heritage in this town as well. <laughs> Myself and Andres, we wanted names. People with different perspectives on a new Jerusalem, driven by culture, not politics, not religion. And Shannon is a connected guy. Within an hour, he had set us up to talk with four different people all over the city. A group of people who were not what we were expecting at all. Fence liars, all of them, but in very different ways and from different backgrounds, east and west. A personal roadmap of Jerusalem. Shanan and his friends had bonded not over the state of Israel or its problems, but over the state of music, culture, and art. How do you create a new idea of the oldest city with no pretense, lots of fun, a little beer, and no division? West Jerusalem is complicated, but it's simple compared to the East. We headed there on Shabbat on foot through the Orthodox neighborhood to the west of the market. Shabbat means no cars, no electricity, no working, no creating. Neil tried recording on his phone for a second. We're walking to the east. It's very quiet. We're walking through the ultra-Orthodox neighborhood. Um, An old man about 80 years old pointed at us and shook his finger. No. You know what? I'm going to stop recording. We quickly realized that two tourists with microphones weren't going to fly. No creating in this neighborhood. Not today. So each week on Passport, we tell you a new amazing story from a different country, in a different city, with a different perspective. The places we discover on each trip often help shape our stories. So if you loved this week's episode, here are our saved pins. So Jerusalem has become one of our favorite cities so far. So next time you're there, be sure to check these places out because they were all little landmark moments for myself and Andres on our trip. They helped us tell this story, a story that we kind of didn't know we were going to tell. Our first pin is Baroud, a bar and restaurant on a little square off Ben Sirah Street. Shanan took us there for some lunch after our interview. It has live music, serves Sephardic cuisine, and kind of has the feel of an Irish pub. Try the crispy cauliflower fried in lemon and garlic, or the amazing shepherd's pie with a pint of Guinness. 
talk about blending cultures. Number two is the Austrian hospice. It's the oldest guest house in the holy city. It's filled with religious art and cake. But fun fact, the building still belongs to the Archbishop of Vienna. It's been this way since 1869. Also, if you head up onto the roof for a tiny little fee for a couple of shekels, you'll get some incredible views of East and Old Jerusalem. And it's a lot less crowded than most rooftop views in the Old City. <laughs> Secret. Number three, Maskeka, a super cool triple threat bar, studio, and live space, which was one of our biggest surprises in the West. They have a live show on, sometimes two, every night. Neil and I found ourselves the one evening watching Amso Pelled, an artist that used TV static and the sounds of a real human body to make music. This is an eclectic place, and the food's really good too. We were trying to find a mix of old and new in Jerusalem, and our fourth save pin combines both and puts it on your body. Razuk Inc. is a family-run tattoo parlor near Jaffa Gate, which has been inking people for 700 years. So if you fancy a new tat, why not try one of the oldest parlors on earth? It's in the old city, near Jaffa Gate. Good things come in small packages and Syrah Pub is maybe the smallest landmark bar in the city. This unflashy dive bar is populated by students and wise men and women alike sitting together and putting the world to rights over a pint or two. Couldn't recommend it enough. That's the Sira Pub, S-I-R-A. If you love Passport, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Give us five stars and Shannon will send you a lifetime supply of kebab. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Part two of our epic Jerusalem adventure. Things uh, get a little hairy. <laughs> you know, Jerusalem, baby. This episode of Passport was written and produced by me and Andres Bartos. Huge thanks to Aisha Pragan, Dave Bianchi, Shannon Street, and his family. Ariel Schnapiri and everybody at Allianz House. We'll put some links to these amazing people and places and their work in the show notes. All of the music on this episode was created by our good friend and musical overlord, Nicholas Turner. Additional stuff by El Cat and Hadag Nahash. You can pick their records up wherever you get records. The show is mixed and mastered by Julian Kozneski. Stacy Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Avi Glijanski are our incredibly thorough customs officials. They also executive produce the show, which is hosted by myself and my meaty hero, Andres Bartos. We'll see you in the same place. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.